You're listening to Alpha Health and Wellness Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Haley Schaff, and my goal is to empower you to become the alpha of your health. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I am sharing an interview that I did with Alexa Federico, who is a functional nutritionist, and she is also the author of the book, The Complete Guide to Crohn's Disease and Ulcerative Colitis, A Roadmap to Long-Term Healing. Today, we dive into all things gut health. We talk about Crohn's, we talk about IBS, we talk about IBD, we talk about autoimmunity, how those things stemming in the gut are so incredibly important, and how to support overall gut health. Whether you were diagnosed with one of the conditions that I just listed or you're just looking to improve your overall gut health, you are going to get a ton out of this interview that I did, and I'm very excited for you to hear it. So without further ado, enjoy. Alexa, welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to nerd out on everything, IBS, Crohn's, the whole the whole thing for gut stuff. So, cause I know you're an expert in that. So I'm really, really looking forward to chatting about that today. Thank you so much for having me. This is my uh, favorite topic to nerd out on and I'm looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, me too. So, okay. So tell me how you got into loving all things Crohn's IBS. Did you have a personal journey with it? Like what drew you to loving and learning about all there is to know? Yeah, so I do have a personal connection. I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease, which is um, autoimmune and a form of inflammatory bowel disease uh, when I was 12 years old. So that was about 16 years ago. And that, you know, right away, I didn't have a love for learning about the gut and diet and all things related to overall health. Um, but the twists and turns and ups and downs and figuring out how to best live with Crohn's, um, for me was heavily reliant on functional medicine and that proved to be the most effective path for me. And so, um, over the years, I just got more invested and interested and, um, in gut health and the more functional way of approaching autoimmune conditions And so that's what eventually led to me pursuing a functional nutrition certification and helping people who are in similar situations that I started out in many years ago and and trying to be that that connector piece to to bridge the gap between living in pain and inconvenience um, and kind of just a cycle of gut health issues and being that person to show others that there's a good amount of factors in their control that contribute to overall health, including gut health and just energy and vitality. And so that's what I'm doing now. And that's my little personal story that got me here. And I'm honestly very grateful for all the health things I've been through because I really do feel like it's pushed me to find my purpose and, for sure. you know, just help all these other people in need. Yeah, absolutely. So how long was your Crohn's journey? Like, did you feel like, do you know what some of the contributing factors were? Like, how are you feeling now? What things do you contribute to that? Like, what does your journey look like with all of that? Yeah. So um, starting with diagnosis, I'm one of the luckier ones where it took me a few months to get diagnosed. 
um, where it's that's it's even not even great, but compared to a lot of chronic conditions where it can take many more months or even years, it took me a few months, but it was several, several visits to the pediatrician's office. Um, and then uh, of getting that diagnosis, um, I, I tested out a couple of oral medications, um, and then about a year into it started on the diet side of things. And it's been an experience, um, over the years, it's not all been perfect health, but I've had many good years. Um, I'm doing great right now. I'm, I've been clinical remission for three and a half years now. Um, I did have a complication a few years ago and had my first and only um, bowel resection surgery, which was actually a really great decision for me. It kind of cleaned the slate for, um, you know, a lot of years of Crohn's and beginning year, year and a half where I wasn't utilizing diet and all the natural Mm. things that I, I know about now. So I feel like that kind of always set me behind a bit. Um, and my condition had definitely advanced in that time where I wasn't utilizing those things. Um, but I'm currently in remission, uh, medication free, which in our, our Western system of chronic illness and IVD and Crohn's and colitis is definitely not the norm. Um, it, it's certainly not really supported by medical doctors, gastroenterologists who handle uh, Crohn's, but I have been medication free for years and it's working for me. And I focus a lot personally on, um, every day eating a really solid, um, nutritious, nutritious diet, you know, managing stress, supplementing with quality supplements and, um, you know, staying on top of labs too, that stuff is still important. So that's, that's where I stand. I feel like there's maybe a couple other (laughs) questions that I'm forgetting. So please let me know where I can elaborate there. Yeah. Okay. So tell me about your diet previously, and then maybe talk a little bit about what your nutrition looks like now. Awesome. Yeah. So when I was first diagnosed, I would say I I was eating somewhat of a standard American diet. Um, You could say it's a healthier version of a standard American diet. Um, All those years ago, I I eat plenty of fruits and vegetables, Um, not much organic stuff though. Definitely. Um, gluten, conventional dairy, you know, snacks, things that had dyes in them, you know, I was 12. So I was still interested in, you know, the best tasting snacks and foods and treats and not necessarily the healthiest thing. So it was it was like a quote unquote, healthier version of standard American diet, my parents definitely uh, cooked 95% of the time. So we had a lot of home cooking as well. But definitely not anywhere perfect. And then upon getting the diagnosis, there was not a lot of diet guidance as there still is not. Um, and so I, you know, I was told, you know, dairy might be a trigger or really fatty or fried foods might be a trigger. But other than that, you know, they said you don't have to change your diet with this condition. So that's where I suffered a lot that first year to year and a half, because I kept going through cycles of getting sick and not knowing I was, you know, kind of doing it to myself by not putting in the right foods. And so, you know, then my functional journey started, but from there, um, it's evolved over the years. And I can say today it's gluten-free, um, I eat dairy selectively, but I put a big focus on quality animal proteins, organic fruits and vegetables, 
um, and high quality fats, you know, extra virgin olive oil, grass fed butter. And I really focus on that. Like I, most of my meals are really focused on meat, fruits, and vegetables with some fats. And then there's the occasional, um, gluten-free grain or legume. Um, but I really try and focus on things that have been raised on a farm, caught in the ocean or grown in the ground and harvested. That's sort of how I view um, the ideal diet and also recommend for people who are kind of struggling of like, what is the right way to eat? I, I just kind of give those general terms of like, focus on just the whole food groups. And that's a great start. For sure. I couldn't agree more. And what are, do you feel like along your journey, what do you feel like was most monumental if there was one or like a few things that you feel like really helped move the needle for you? That's a great, great question. Um, I think there's, there's two things. Um, I would say the biggest, the biggest initial change was the diet overhaul. And, and when I tell people this, cause I've been asked similar questions, I say, that's the first thing. And that's kind of like low hanging fruit, although it can feel like a very big drastic change for some, that's like the very first level that's got to be changed. But I will say, as I, um, have, you know, grown and healed and just learned new things about myself and this condition, the, the mindset and belief component too, I have found to be really impactful as well. And it's a little bit general, I guess, and going to be different for everybody, but I really found the older I got and appreciated what my health journey has taught me, um, and uncovered some, beliefs, I guess, about myself or the condition that I feel kind of held me back or had like a negative root to them and clearing those out and just changing my perspective on all of this, I really feel helped expand my ability to heal. Um, and I know that's not a super tangible thing for people to take and work with, but I, I definitely always encourage people to not neglect that mental, emotional side of it, because I do feel we kind of hold on to trauma, things that have happened in the past, old ways of believing of, about what healing means and what our abilities are to heal. And I truly feel that that was like, that was like higher levels of healing. But after I got through some of that physical, more tangible stuff like diet, that then propelled me into new levels of healing I had not reached before. That's awesome. I totally agree. And I, I think we always think of like just diet, but so much of it is believing it's kind of like that manifesting that more internal mental emotional side yes exactly yeah it's so true. okay backing it up a little bit for people who might not know what Crohn's is how do we get diagnosed what is Crohn's how do we get diagnosed how does it differ from something like IBS sure so Crohn's is under the umbrella of inflammatory bowel disease or IBD um, ulcerative colitis is another one um, they're very similar and when one is diagnosed, there's typically a few things that they'll look for. One is physical symptoms, and these will vary, and some people will not have many GI symptoms at all. So this is obviously taken into an individualistic approach. Um, but there's lots of gut health or, or gut signs. You know, there can be diarrhea, constipation, nausea, vomiting, weight loss, fatigue, um, other uh, symptoms not related to the gut called extra intestinal manifestations, 
mouth sores, joint pain, um, you know, sometimes hair loss from nutritional deficiencies, things like that. So there's a little bit of a wide scope, but often there are a few um, GI symptoms there. So that's kind of the first part of the checklist. Usually that gets people into the doctor's office. Um, and then they doctors will also do colonoscopies and they may do an endoscopy as well. Um, they're likely going to take a biopsy to look at the tissue. Um, and so they're looking for inflammation and ulceration in the intestinal tissue. And then they'll take that biopsy to get an even closer look. Um, and from there, they'll be able to tell if the tissue matches what Crohn's or ulcerative colitis would show. They'll also do uh, lab work and stool testing. Um, there are some autoimmune markers they can run, but they're also looking for inflammatory markers um, in the blood and in the stool as well. So those are kind of the big, the big check marks that people will go through um, when it comes to getting diagnosed. There may also be like some imaging, like an MRI uh, can be helpful as well. But that, that is it. And then your other question was, how does it differ from something like IBS? And on paper, they do have some similar um, symptoms. So, you know, IBS is, is gut-related as well. And people may experience, you know, the gas, bloating, constipation, diarrhea um, symptoms. But IBS is not autoimmune in nature. Um, so it's not a chronic condition. There's often underlying things going on for IBS. I always consider IBS kind of like, it's an umbrella term for lots of things that could be going on. Um, and so you don't have the chronic inflammation issue that comes with Crohn's and ulcerative colitis. So that falls under the autoimmune and chronic inflammation component. Whereas IBS, there's likely some bigger root issue going on. Um, you know, in the gut microbiome and infection or something like that, that's causing these GI symptoms. And so it's not, not under the umbrella of a chronic autoimmune condition. Got it. Okay. That definitely makes sense. And so what was the way, like, how were you formally diagnosed? Kind of a mix of everything that you just mentioned. Was there one thing that really stuck out and what were some of the big symptoms that you were experiencing? Cause I know they can differ depending on person to person. Absolutely. So initially it was definitely the physical symptoms. And at the time being 12, I, I didn't really observe all of it happening, but I had, you know, involved caring parents that I was living under their roof. So they were picking up on those. And my, my mother's also a nurse, so she's just aware of um, these sort of things, but I was starting to have abdominal pain, especially after eating. And I would have a very small bit of food and all of a sudden be in pain and not be able to eat much. Um, I was losing weight. I was, you know, average size, but began to lose weight fairly rapidly. And that led me to also be cold all the time. Um, I was also anemic at that time. And, you know, my nails would be turning blue and when it wasn't even that cold. And then as things progressed, I was having chronic diarrhea. I was having um, nausea and vomiting. And so those for me started um, over those few months of getting diagnosed and continued to progress. So most of my symptoms were GI related. I also was having joint pain in my knees and I had mouth sores in my mouth, um, which at the time I didn't realize were connected to the stomach issues I was having. But I know now that those are also signs of Crohn's. And so 
Um, as I mentioned earlier, I my mom brought me to the doctor multiple times, multiple times. Um, and a lot of those visits, we were just turned away. My weight was kind of swept under the rug. Um, no, no tests were done until, I don't know, I want to say the sixth or eighth visit to the doctor where, where that one said, this could be Crohn's and I'm going to refer you to a pediatric, um, gastroenterologist and that doctor, I saw him, I think that day or the next day, um, he said, this is pretty serious. You need to be admitted right now. So it escalated once I progressed enough, I guess, in the eyes of, of that medical practice and then pretty quickly was admitted to the hospital getting fluids and, you know, um, lots of tests. I had lots of imaging, lots of labs, and I did have my first set of scopes, uh, colonoscopy and endoscopy that during that hospital stay, um, and stool testing. So for me, it was the whole host of things to check off the list that all just reconfirmed, uh, each other. Definitely. So you because I feel like I get this complaint a lot where people are like, I have so many GI issues, but I feel like standard testing isn't helping. But obviously, in your case, most of those, if not all of them, were supportive of that diagnosis. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I know my my scopes were absolutely um, confirmed. And I, I know sometimes people will have scopes that they can't confirm, even with biopsies. And it, it can be tricky. Crohn's and colitis can be very it's not always black and white, but for me, it was clear that I had Crohn's uh, pretty much everywhere in my GI tract. Um, you know, my inflammatory markers were incredibly high. The calprotectin, also mm-hmm. an inflammatory marker in the stool, very, very high. Um, and my other lab values, you know, white blood cells and, and my iron markers, things were all out of whack. So for me, it did result in a, a pretty clear diagnosis, but I agree that sometimes these things are not so clear for people um, and that can be tricky. And something I I let people know about Crohn's and colitis is that two situations can be true and that's you have physical symptoms, but your labs are looking okay. Or the opposite can be where your labs are showing, you know, activity and inflammation and yet you feel okay on the outside. And so it, it's it's a tricky, sometimes it's a tricky condition to to figure out. But for my diagnosis, luckily, um, it was it was straightforward. Nice. That's definitely helpful because then you could get on a good path. Um, okay, so now kind of fast forwarding to the work that you do, what what are some important things that you feel like people need to know if they get a diagnosis of Crohn's or colitis? Like yes. what are kind of those first steps that you would take? So the the first step is what I alluded to earlier, which is what I consider low-hanging fruit. And that's the food that you're eating on a daily consistent basis. So depending on where the person is, um, certainly ruling out the typical kind of junk foods of heavy sugar diets, you know, sodas and sweetened drinks and um, moving away from having grains and refined foods as the core of the diet and starting to move into whole foods. And for people that are experiencing this diagnosis time period, they're probably symptomatic and not feeling great and not digesting food very well. So for those people that are are kind of building their foundation of health back from um, the ground up, I recommend things like bone broth, 
and slow cooked meats and slow cooked root veggies as a really good basis, maybe a little bit of white rice. Um, and that's like my basic, basic recommendation. And then as, as tolerance builds and the person starts healing to add in a little bit more variety, maybe a little bit, um, testing out some raw, raw or semi raw, uh, foods and just expanding on proteins. So that's, that's for someone who's really in the weeds and just having a really tough time with digestion, um, is to really go for those warm, slow cooked, like pre kind of almost pre-digested sort of foods that like bone broth offers and really slow cooked meats offers really good building blocks to, um, to the gut. That's kind of going through a lot of stress. It's really simple. Um, and then, and so just overall as well, moving away from the food like products that are just so convenient and readily available in our grocery stores and getting back to the basics like proteins and good fats um, and, and whole fruits and vegetables and really those basics. Of course, you know, there'll be tweaks for, for everyone, but, but that, and then hydrating, um, most people are not drinking enough water that I come across. And then with, with the loss of, you know, bodily fluids, like diarrhea or, or vomiting and just the gut not being, um, in a, in a place to optimally absorb all the nutrients we eat, I recommend for a lot of my clients and, I myself um, have electrolytes. Uh, they may need some trace minerals, things like that, because so much is being lost or not absorbed. So that that kind of like shift to whole foods, and maybe starting with like really well cooked um, whole foods and hydrating, and maybe supplementing with additional electrolytes are a couple of the very basic things that I recommend and, and help people switch over to. Love that. Are there any foods that are like, if you had to name like your top favorite healing food for you, like when you're mm -hmm. noticing that you're not feeling as well, like what do you typically gravitate towards? Um, bone broth for sure. I was going to say that would, that's always mine too, but I love hearing other people's. Yes, definitely bone broth, homemade or one of my favorite like store-bought organic, you know, brands. Um, and then kind of like a subcategory of that is like a soup made with bone broth mm -hmm. as the base is super, super yummy and healing. So that, um, and I would just say protein, animal protein, um, whether it be beef or chicken or even fish, I would say is the next one. Um, and a third one, while not a food, um, herbal teas like ginger tea, mm. peppermint tea can really be so soothing and anti-inflammatory and help with bloating even. And so those are also like always in my arsenal and, um, I always have those on hand. I love them. Yes. Those are, those are my go-to. I swear by ginger tea. So yeah. it is always in, in my shelf always. Um, okay. So I know you talk a lot about kind of the emotional piece to gut healing, like how stress can contribute to gut inflammation. Can we talk about that a little bit? Yeah, it's awesome. Um, I love, I love talking about like the mental emotional piece and the stress component, because I think people can kind of run in circles feeling like they're doing all the diet stuff. And yet somehow they're not seeing all the results that they think that they exactly. So that is often kind of like a hidden hurdle, but it's like a, a huge glaring elephant in the room for a lot of people. Um, so like at a very 
basic but foundational level, what I see happen with a lot of people is that, and not just with IBD, you know, it's like a societal thing that a lot of people are running in chronically high stress um, states of being, like they're just always on, you know, but, and we see this with across all populations, it's work mm-hmm. and family and activities and everything, you know, not a lot of people are really well grounded in their day to day life. And so people don't realize that. Um, and that way of being triggers, like if you've ever been nervous and feel like your gut start getting gurgly or you have to run to the bathroom because um, you're getting stressed or anxious about something, that is that exact mechanism at work where mm-hmm. you're stressed, your body's not going to be focused on digesting because it feels like there's something more dangerous or more pressing. So resources are diverted away from digestion. And that's when we can feel, we can physically feel sometimes our digestion getting sabotaged um, and creating this waterfall effect where food's not being digested. Maybe it triggers diarrhea or abdominal pain or bloating. And and that's often like this, this big issue that I see that people are just not aware that they're even in this chronically stressed place. And so from the moment they're putting food in their body, they're not in the right um, mindset, their body's not relaxed. So those fundamental things are not even in place. So it's, it sets off a cascade of things not going right from acid and enzymes not being properly um, secreted to break down food, which really does have a trickle effect throughout the rest of digestion. So, Mm -hmm. so stress in that way, that kind of like, that chronic stress always on the go or always worrying or always busy um, and never really getting fully grounded and relaxed, I think is the biggest, one of the biggest hurdles aside from just not knowing what to eat, um, you know, to feel well is, is that one. I agree. And I think that, I think this is affecting way more people than, Mm -hmm. I mean, like this is affecting pretty much every single person that I see because they're like, oh, I'm not stressed, but I can just tell that there is stress affecting them. And like, you cannot heal anything when your body's in a sympathetic state. You can't heal your gut. You can't heal your skin. You can't heal your hormones. You can't heal. You cannot heal when your body's in that fight or flight stressed state, let alone even just be able to digest your meal. Think about how many people are driving to work eating their whatever they brought, running out the door, eating it while they're in traffic, Mm -hmm. not even thinking that they're eating, then they get to work and then they're just on the hamster wheel of routine all day long. They're not thinking about diet. And then it's like, it comes the afternoon, they're starving, they're craving chips, they're craving something salty because they didn't have probably any, like, it's just like, it's like a no brainer sometimes on how, how we got here, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And like you said, they're, they're not realizing they're doing anything wrong, but those have such cascade effects from that fatigue to relying on caffeine or the sugar or salty snacks to pick them up. And it's it just gets into this, this cycle and it becomes a way of being. But I agree. I've also talked to people who don't feel like they have particularly high stress levels, but in conversations and mannerisms, you can, you can tell, you know, you work with people one-on-one enough to, to understand like, how they may be reacting or just going about their day and can tell that it probably is an issue that they're just not aware of because they've been in that state for so long and you just get used to it. Mm-hmm. Totally. Totally. Um, okay. So 
Are there any like specific, so I know we talked a little bit about herbs like ginger, peppermint. Are there any other herbs that you found really helpful along your journey? Of course, before people start any type of protocol, they obviously want to work with some type of practitioner, but just to give, give people some options on, okay, your diet's in check. You're trying to get your stress in check. Like what are some of those kind of like next things that people can think about? Yeah, sure. So, um, things that have helped me a digestive enzyme, not an herb, but, um, a, a supplement and on the natural mm-hmm. side of things, digestive sub, uh, digestive enzymes uh, can be really helpful, tend to be very gentle. Um, and, you know, maybe one doesn't work for you, but another one will. But that's kind of mm-hmm. like a very foundational, basic digestive support that's helped me a lot. I still take one. Um, and it's a basic that I, you know, generally get my clients on too. Um, that and then I would say prebiotics and probiotics again, depending on on what your symptoms are, but those are really helpful, especially if you're having diarrhea or constipation where there is certainly some sort of imbalance or need um, in the microbiome and supplying the the gut with that is great. And I like the prebiotics because it feeds the probiotics. So it's that like pre-pre-step to having a flourishing uh, population of gut bacteria. So so those two as well with the digestive enzyme. Um, and for some, not all, um, HCL support. Um, I'm personally not on that, but I mention it just because there does tend to be a really big need for that uh, when I see people with gut conditions where for they sure. have a lack of, of stomach acid production, um, not too much. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Um, okay, so... Talk to us a little bit about like, what are some things like, okay, you're working with someone who has Crohn's, like, what are some of the things, some of these things probably we've already talked about, but like, what are like important questions that you're asking? Do you have like a checklist on like, okay, are you experiencing, if you're experiencing this symptom, then we want to focus on this. Like, Mm -hmm. what is, what does that look like when, I mean, either in the initial, whatever kind of stage of healing they're, they're coming to you at. Yeah. So I do ask a lot of questions and have my clients fill out like a decent amount of paperwork so I can gather that information. But for gut health and Crohn's and colitis and other gut conditions specifically, um, I want to know about their bowel movements. I want to know if they're um, diarrhea, constipation, normal, how many times a day they're going, because that tells me a lot. And I also want to know things like are you having acid reflux or heartburn? Are you getting bloated or gassy um, or burping after meals or feeling really tired after meals um, or having energy crashes um, and any other even outlying symptoms? Like I do ask about parts of the body that are not gut related so I can connect the dots and see what's affecting what. So I want to know too, like, are you having headaches? Um, are you having, you know, joint pain, which is a symptom of IBD, but other things like that. So I do ask a really wide array of questions that may seem unrelated to someone just kind of stepping into this new, but those ones I mentioned for gut health related, um, are some of the most important when I'm working with someone who has IBD or IBS as well is, you know, give me a good picture of what your bowel movements are like. And then when you're eating, what are you having pain, bloating, acid reflux. Um, and for those like bloating, acid reflux, you know, tired after meals, that tells me that we need to do some healing in the, the upper GI region. 
Um, and so I use some, some professional supplement blends of different gut healing nutrients. There's some like with aloe and L-glutamine, um, sometimes herbs like peppermint or ginger or chamomile. And those are really soothing and healing and will kind of calm down that those initial symptoms that pop up after someone eats. Um, so, and I, I utilize that approach first. And so I work uh, as you may as well when we're doing anything, but especially digestion is, is top to bottom. And so those are signs of upper healing or upper GI healing needs. And so those, that's my first approach is to kind of rein in those symptoms, calm them down because that's where digestion is just starting out. So I want to make sure that we have a good foundation to get us started. And then I'll, I'll kind of move down the line um, with other symptoms and try and tackle those. Yeah, absolutely. What are some of your, um, what was I just kind of, oh, so some of like your favorite lifestyle things for Crohn's IBS, cause you know, the nutrition supplemental, that's all super important. Like, do you have any specific, any type of lifestyle, whether it's a form of stress relief, form of like inflammation reducer, form of exercise. I know that you've talked on your blog about yoga and like there's specific mm -hmm. yoga poses that are even beneficial. Yeah. So yoga is definitely one of them or even just stretching. I mean, it's really all about just adding some movement, um, especially because some people, you know, again, depending on where they are in their health, exercise feels a little out of reach. They may not have the energy or um, the capacity to, to do like some formal exercise. But yoga and stretching can help with a multitude of GI issues, whether it be fatigue or bloating, um, and really basic things, down dog, child's pose, things like that. Um, definitely, and it's a stress relieving in itself. Mm -hmm. you know, put on some, some spa music or whatever, and it's just like you're in your zen. I just, I love it. Or, you know, you can follow a class online for free. You know, there's so many things on YouTube. And so... I, I do like to encourage people to explore that. Walking is another one. Again, good for everybody to be out and be walking, but it's also a gentle form of exercise that's attainable for most people. Um, and also stress relieving in itself because you're outside um, if you're going for an outdoor walk and not on a treadmill. And so you mm -hmm. get, you know, multiple benefits there with fresh air and sunshine and um, maybe you know, taking a walk with someone and you have that sense of community as well. So I love those. Um, for maybe like a third, I love journaling. And that's a biggie to, to support that mental, emotional and stress piece. It's a great way to kind of transfer what's stressing you out or has you worried onto paper um, to just kind of dump out all your thoughts and worries. And then I also mm -hmm. love doing like gratitude journaling and making lists of the things that are going right and, you know, the support of people in my life and just hold some gratitude for that, which can be uh, enlightening on a bad day, um, mm -hmm. but on a great day too, but especially those more challenging days to just sit and reflect that like, okay, I do have all these good things going. I have these people to turn to for support. Um, and so I think that's just an awesome practice too, is, is journaling. I agree because I think, I really think that it can be very overwhelming to heal and like going through a journey could just, you want to give up sometimes you wonder if things are worth it. So I think the gratitude piece and the reflection piece is, is almost, it should be, it should be essential in almost all cases. Yes. 
I completely agree. I love that. I love that. Okay. So is there anything else about Crohn's, colitis, IBS that we haven't touched on yet that you want to make sure that people know that people can feel like empowered about? I think, I think a lot of people, they, they are like chasing or craving a diagnosis. And then they, once they get a diagnosis, they're like, oh my God, then they identify as it. So like, do you have any tips, tricks for people who like to kind of step away from that and more be like supporting the cell from the root cause? Don't be identifying yourself as like, oh, I have Crohn's. I have this forever. Mm-hmm. Like, this is who I am instead of like, this is what my body's trying to tell me. Exactly. Yeah, I, I completely agree that it's a really common thing to kind of take on a diagnosis. And um, to, to elaborate on that, I, I recommend people see a diagnosis as really simply a name for uh, a similar collection of, of symptoms. And it's just putting a name to the sort of imbalance that you have and where your imbalance is. And then next, um, to remind people that the body is designed to heal and it wants to heal. And that all of these symptoms and signs and pain that we may be experiencing is simply your body trying to get back on the right track. And it's telling you through these signs that something is imbalanced. And I think that um, people tend to um, yeah, take that on as their identity and kind of get lost in the, the pain that it causes and kind of lose themselves sometimes and then get on like a, a crazy kind of self uh, healing journey, um, Mm -hmm. which is great. But sometimes we get wrapped up too much in like, Oh, I've tried this, I've tried that. Um, And we've kind of made it consume ourselves. And so keeping in mind that symptoms are just under the umbrella of, you know, a diagnosis, which is just a, you know, a name for a collection of symptoms. And when it comes to healing, you know, it's not, it is not you, it's just something that's manifested in you. Um, And then lastly, kind of under that big umbrella is not to give up on different types of uh, modalities, healing modalities, you know, even the natural ones are not going to all work for everybody the same. So to just Mm -hmm. keep in mind when you're, you know, going through doing self-experimentation, working with different practitioners, um, to to not give up or get discouraged if one is not working for you. It's just going to redirect you to try something new or to find more answers and figure out what is your secret sauce to that your body really needs. I love that. I love that. Secret sauce. (laughs) We all have something that like is going to gel and is going to work really great for us. And then there's some that you know, people try it and they're like, you know, I really don't think it works and that's okay. Exactly. That is a okay. Okay. So can you tell everybody where they can find you? I know you have a book. I, you're, I know you have a social media platform on Instagram. So tell people where they can find you to learn more about all this awesome information. Sure. So I'm for social media. I'm mostly on Instagram. That's where I'm most active and put out the most content. And my handle is girl in healing. And then the other place to find me and there's some articles, um, which I'm trying to be better about the second half of this year, but adding to my, my host of articles on my site, but it's just girlandhealing.com. So either way you can reach out to me, whether message on Instagram, or you can find my email 
um, on my website, but those two places, I'm just girl in healing. And um, you can find information about my book on my website as well. There's a page for it. And yeah, I think that's it. Awesome. Well, I'm so glad that we were able to chat. I've been following you for a while. I love the content that you post. And I'm really glad that I could bring you on to talk about all things gut health, especially related to Crohn's and colitis. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm a fan of yours as well. And I'm super pumped about this episode. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much. Thank you.